I'm Carol Coletta, and this is Night Cities. Deborah Cullinan is executive director of Yerba Buena Center for the Arts, San Francisco's premier contemporary arts center. She previously served as executive director of Intersection for the Arts, an arts-focused community development organization committed to radical partnership across sectors to achieve equitable community change. Intersection played a lead role on the 5M project, a four-acre prototype for the next generation of urban development in downtown San Francisco's Tenderloin District. Deborah, Yerba Buena Center for the Arts is a prominent downtown San Francisco venue devoted to contemporary visual art, performance, and film video, and yet you're leading conversations about the future of the city staging prototypes to demonstrate how marketplace, a market street can be used differently, uh, and engaging in serious policy discussions on urban form and the built environment. How does a contemporary arts center become a platform for a broader civic role? Mm -hmm. It's my opinion, Carol, that that is the role of a contemporary arts center, especially one like Yerba Buena Center that was born out of the former California Redevelopment Agency and that was imagined to be the heart of civic life, that was imagined to be the people center. And I, you know, I believe very strongly that an arts organization is uniquely situated to gather people across boundaries to have the kind of unsiloed conversations we need to have. So at the center, in any one day, we probably are attracting underserved kids, folks who are running some of the greatest, most powerful technology companies in the world. Aspen Institute, dancers, performers, visual artists. What other place can you imagine that, that could host the kind of conversation that we need today, the kind of conversation that puts us past our boundaries and our silos and helps us to imagine the comments? You and I are sitting today at Wasson Island in uh, Canada, north of Toronto, and we're sitting in a boathouse and we can hear the <laughs> boats underneath us, uh, people uh, coming off the lake. But it's been an interesting week in that we've, we've been discussing the notion of civic assets and, and knitting those civic assets together into what we're calling this week a civic commons. Um, where does an arts center, a contemporary arts center like Yerba Buena, fit into the civic commons? Well, I mean, I think an arts center is, is uh, you know, can operate at the heart of it. I think it's, it's a gathering place for people of all kinds. So first and foremost, a gathering place. Second of all, it's not just its facilities, it is its practice, right? So the artistic practice that extends into what I think is some of the most sophisticated community engagement that you will find becomes a really important part of our role. So our vision is to be at the heart, is to put art at the center of life, to be at the heart of our city's life. And to do that, we have to be the gathering place and the work that we do through exhibition, performance, and conferences and gatherings needs to be about that. But we also have to be in community. And so we do projects all over the city. And you know, as you mentioned earlier, we're really interested in um, sort of pioneering partnerships that cross sector uh, and that are inside that you know creating collaborations that allow us to be a part of city government and a, a part of how we think about policy and planning and collaboration towards a better future for more people. And you'll see that you know our artists can be deployed in neighborhoods 
have exceptional community engagement skills, can help people to imagine a future that is, that is different than the one they are in, you know, that they can imagine today. And all of that, I think, will contribute to better change, more activation of our public realm. You know, in a city like San Francisco, that space is so precious and often either underutilized or kind of utilized by some and not many. And so our job is to, to create things that actually bring people together, um, especially people who are different from each other. And, you know, we talked about this earlier today. I feel like what we need is empathy. We need to meet each other. We need to understand each other. And we need to be thinking together that, you know, this city is ours. This street corner is ours, not yours, not mine, but ours. And the more that we can do that, I think the more that we're working together for more equity, more opportunity, more engagement across the board. And you see artists as bringing something to that endeavor, that goal that others cannot bring. Yeah, I mean, I think artists have throughout history shown us that they can illuminate and they can see a future. And we see it in science fiction writing. We see it all over the place. They can take us just one step beyond where we are, which I think is so central to being to getting out of the stuck spot and into the place that is new or that is different. So, you know, that alone to me is is an essential piece of a pie that would that's part of what we're working on, I think. But I also think artists are collaborators and problem solvers and can build projects that do other kinds of really essential things like bringing people together who are different from each other. We've talked a lot about this notion of past, present, and future. And, you know, I, I say it all the time because I think it's profound. I think we are we are literally alive in a moment that is the past, the present, and the future all at once. And how many people have the privilege and the ability to see all three of those dimensions at the same time? We need to help more people see them all in order for more people to be able to access the opportunity that we're gonna be creating tomorrow. And I really think artists have already exhibited their ability to do that. You were pivotal to a project that we had the privilege of funding at Art Place called the 5M Project in downtown San Francisco in the Tenderloin District. It was an interesting combination of activities, and I remember you talking originally, one of the things that excited me about it was that it was the hub representing business and entrepreneurs. It was Intersection for the Arts representing artists and the community doing art, and again, this is a very depressed district of San Francisco, and that there was some enthusiasm on the part of the entrepreneurs to access this diversity that Intersection for the Arts would be, in effect, the mediator yeah. to bring into the space. Talk about that a little bit. That was your ambition. Was it realized, and what's happened since you've left? You know, we ran into the hub, um, the, or the founders of the hub, because we were in competition for a building you know, prior to the 5M project, we were in competition for a building. We didn't know it. We Small town San Francisco, we figured out, you know, who it was, got a meeting together, sat down and had this sort of legendary conversation, which was, you know, why should we compete? Literally five minutes into the conversation, wouldn't the world be a better place if artists and entrepreneurs were sharing space and, you know, artists are accessing a different kind of thinking about the business of art and art is illuminating this work of social you know, social purpose and social good. Um, and one of the things that the founder, Tim Freinlich, um talked about was his concern that, uh, you know, the hub, now called Impact Hub, um, would inevitably attract 
um, a certain population of people who already defi- can define themselves inside the definition of a social entrepreneur. And so we started talking about language alone, like how the words we use either include or exclude, and how in a place like the Sixth Street Corridor, you have a lot of social entrepreneurs. That's just not how they would describe themselves. And so a lot of what we talked about was how do we shift that thinking? How do we open up the concept? How do we change the language that we're using? And you know, I think we were successful when we used program to do it, when we were deliberate about doing it. I think we were occasionally successful in serendipity and just accidental. I mean, I think there is immense value in placing different kinds of people together because you do get a little bit more trust and an occasional cup of sugar kind of scenario, right? But that sugar kind of thing, like the knocking on the neighbor's door, it only happens when you really, really don't have another option. You feel uncomfortable. And so you could definitely see, you know, we were we were activating the ground floor and you could definitely see um, what I think happens a lot where certain people would flock to the hub and feel comfortable going through certain doors. Certain people would flock to the film school. Certain people would flock to intersection. And so I feel like, again, you know, I'm, I'm biased. It's all about art for me. But I feel like what art can do either very overtly or more subtly is get people to turn in different directions. Mm-hmm. So I used to say all the time, you know, here's the 5M project. You know, the, the kind of face of it is the iconic San Francisco Chronicle building on the corner of 5th and Mission. As you allude to, you know, this is a dynamic neighborhood that a lot of people refer to as the hinge because it, it literally hinges so many different neighborhoods that are directly adjacent but completely disconnected. And so you can see in such a palpable way very different economic conditions right next to each other, not commingling and not creating kind of energy between. And so the Sixth Street Corridor is one of the toughest, you know, in terms of social challenges, neighborhoods in the city, which is to the left. So if you walk out the door, you're the social entrepreneur and you walk out the door and take a left, you are going to be dealing with drug dealing and homelessness, nudity, you know, you name it. If you turn right, you are literally at the Westfield Mall, which is one of the most extraordinary fancy shopping districts that you can imagine. And so the comfort level for people gets distinguished pretty quickly. And some people will turn left and some people will turn right. And I feel like the job of program and you know intentional thinking about place and how art and even wayfinding can lean into the, the kind of encouragement of someone to turn a different direction is an immense important part of the beginning. It's the beginning. First we turn, then we start to interact. Then all of a sudden we realize that the Sixth Street Corridor is part of the same city as the Westfield Mall and that's our city. So together we have to figure that out. And you know, I have this, you know, have this theory that we tested a little bit that the more that we create um, sort of socialized different direction and interaction between people, then we can bring them a little closer and actually create program that deepens their interaction. And over time, and this is, you know, this is a long haul experiment, over time we would be able to trace more opportunity for more people, especially people who are often marginalized for it. This reminds me directly of Marjorie Turner's work at Urban Institute, where her look at economic integration and the ways in which you achieve it, uh, in other words, people of different incomes living in close proximity, is first you have people have to enter the neighborhood, right? But then they have to cross the street. And just by entering the neighborhood, if you have to use the simplest terms, rich and poor people living in close proximity, the presence of wealthier people brings additional economic opportunity, right? Because 
they want to purchase things near home. And so that creates a certain kind of economic opportunity for those with less education or less wealth. But if you can get them to cross the street, then they begin to share networks. And that's infinitely more valuable than simply the economic opportunity that people that wealthier people bring with them to a neighborhood. And it's interesting because we keep thinking, what is the equivalent of, or is there an equivalent of a thin layer or programming in your terms that you could add that would get people to cross the street. And I think it would be very interesting, Deborah, to explore some of those ideas in neighborhoods that where you're not working directly out of an art center, right. but you take artists and, yes. at, and see deliberately with intent, can you develop such a program that would get us to cross yes, the street. Yes. Have you thought about this? Yes, yeah. absolutely. I mean, it's it's thrilling. To, it's the whole purpose for me in, in a lot of ways. And so a couple of things that I would say. One is that the uh, Market Street prototyping project that we are working on is, to my mind, a, a great opportunity for a little bit of experimentation around this. Um, this is a two-mile stretch of Market Street that really actually comprises, I think it's five or six distinctly different districts, right, that all touch each other, but are so different. We invited the the BIDs, the heads of the BIDs or CBDs, depending on, on how you look at it, um, to each do a presentation and tell us, tell, you know, a group of hungry designers and artists, what are the challenges, what are the opportunities, what kind of design interventions, what kind of art projects, what other things would you want in your neighborhood? And you really couldn't have, you know, seen a gamut wider, right? You know, maybe a consistent challenge in San Francisco in a place like that is how to work with the homeless population, but otherwise very distinct and very different. So this is very interesting. And then there are, I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of people that walk that every day. We have the statistic, it's something like three, three to 500,000 a day. Wow. So it's just a whopping number of people that are really diverse. And so when we first thought of um, prototyping projects and citizen, you know, crowdsourced based ideas with a lot of community engagement, we thought about, you know, what would your design interventions be to light, to deal with, you know, crosswalks that are challenging or buildings that are vacant or misconnect. But then we decided that wasn't enough. We wanted to really think about challenging artists and designers and people in those neighborhoods to think about what kinds of things could we make that would encourage interaction. And so, you know, that to me will be very interesting. Can we do that? And we've we're going to have an immense amount of surveying, on-the-ground interception, trying to see can we be successful to design toward interaction and connection between those neighborhoods. So that's one example of the work. The other um, example is that we have a pilot project that is being funded by the Irvine Foundation, and this started before I came into play, it, and it's called In Community. And the concept for it. Um, as it's evolving, we're learning a lot, is literally what you're talking about, which is we're looking at neighborhoods that are either currently or have recently undergone pretty massive transition. And then we're building long-term artist residencies in those neighborhoods and deep collaborations with community-based organizations to develop projects that are mutually beneficial, that work to kind of build understanding and empathy. And we're, you know, early phase with the project. It's, you know, pretty ambitious. We're in three different neighborhoods um, and we're learning about, you know, do you concentrate geography? Is three neighborhoods too much? You know, should we be thinking a little bit differently about how we're doing it? And the Tenderloin is one of the neighborhoods that we're just now getting started in. And so that's the kind of thing, you know, as I say, I think, you know, one of the gifts that we have are the venues, the gorgeous venues that we operate at the center of the city in the Yerba Buena Gardens. 
But the other thing that we have is a practice that can go out and be deployed and really build kind of relationships in these communities that are really important. So big part of the agenda. Yeah, love that. That's something we can learn a great deal from, so we need to be in touch on that. We've been talking about reimagining the civic commons, all those places and programming, both physical and virtual, that bring us together and knit through the fabric, the social fabric of the city. What does your experience, first at 5M and now at Yerba Buena, in, how does that experience inform your ideas of the civic commons and how the commons can be adapted to contemporary opportunities? Yeah, I mean, I think if I'm understanding the question right, I think that um, one of the great opportunities that we have, if we have places where there are working assets or working elements that of a civic commons, so you know, when I think of the commons, I think of something that's made up of a set of elements all together which make for quality and health in a community, right? And so I think what we probably have in some places, um, maybe not a lot of places, is separate, working very well on their own, but not connected elements of that commons. And so one of the things that could be really exciting would be to, you know, look for where you might have the beginnings of architecture. Of, of a set of a couple of things that are really high functioning, but they're not communicating and then you need some space between. And I think you know this, I've bored you with this before, but I always think in terms of continuum because I think it takes a set of things. I, I, I don't think it's ever really one thing. We need inspiration, we need practical things, we need op- actual opportunity to access and all those things have to kind of be working together. So I think it could be really interesting and a great opportunity to try to figure out how to thread things together. If a mayor asks you for your advice on how to build a civic commons for today and the future, as you point out, the near future, what would you tell her? I mean, I think it has to start with, you know, a city commitment to investing in the commons, which would probably also require a looking at how cities structure and if not a different approach that is less siloed at the very least, some kind of threading inside of the civic structure, right? You know, I, I can't remember the name. Somebody said something yesterday about the, you know, chief of well-being somewhere. And, you know, I, I think... In New Zealand. Yeah, in which New Zealand. I, I'm just so intrigued by the bridgers, by the, the people that, that, for whatever reason, they can gather sort of everybody from health to environment to, you know, housing. Like, those kinds of things need to be happening. And you're seeing some movement. I mean, San Francisco has a healthy neighborhood program. Our mayor, the the advice that he asked me the last time that I talked to him was, how do we, um, you know, everything's changing so quickly now, right? How do we understand what we're losing? And, you know, and I think that's such a profound question for a mayor to ask. And, And I think that's a part of it, is we have to see it again for what it has been, what it is and what it can be. And that's also not going to be a typical way of thinking if you're running you know, the Department of Housing and you've got to deal with a particular thing. So somehow we have to enable a city and reorganize the way our resources are flowing to be able to see across a collective. Which artist should mayors and civic leaders be watching to inform their work on shaping the future of cities? Who should we be watching? I, I'm, I'm going to pick more than one. I'll try to be reasonable about it. I'm on board the Astrogates. I, I think that you know he's an exceptional, visionary human being. 
who has given us an idea for something that I think could be scaled and it could be understood and it could be accessed by so many different people in so many different places. So absolutely, the Aster. You know, I have the privilege of working very closely um, with Mark Bamuti-Joseph. Uh, he's my partner, one of my partners at YBCA, and he's, um, you know, helping me lead up the program strategy and really rethinking what we're doing. And one of the things that Mark really thinks about is ecosystems and network building. And so, you know, we are thinking, we are much less interested together in, you know, what the art is and much more interested in what it can do. And we are also really less interested in audience, in discrete audience, and more interested in networks and how we can take a contemporary artist's idea, whatever is fueling them, driving them, whatever they're doing, and create networks around that idea that are citizen-led, citizen-run, and that activate not only our center, but our city. So those two come to mind immediately, and again, I could give you quite a few more. It's fun always talking to you, Deborah. Thanks for being our guest on Night Cities. Thank you. Deborah Cullinan is Executive Director of Yerba Buena Center in San Francisco. You can follow us on Twitter at hashtag Night Cities and at C. Coletta. Find out first when new conversations are posted by signing up for our newsletter at nightfoundation.org forward slash features forward slash Night Cities. You've been listening to Night Cities. I'm Carol Coletta.